Hey guys, it's me, James. Um, this week's edition of the Hotcast is going to be a bit different. Um, we've got a special report actually from uh, my co-host Danny Raza, who's hit up Howard Hodgson to speak about all things Aston Villa, mainly with a focus on stuff going on behind the scenes. Howard's wrote a number of reports in the past, and of course, he's big at the Aston Villa Supporters Trust. Howard's someone I know. He's a he's a good person, and uh, he's always up for debate on Twitter. So he's uh, always a good person to speak to about all things Aston Villa, including finances which is something we're going to discuss with him today but without me waffling on any further I'm going to give it over to Daniel and the next hour or so will be him discussing Aston Villa with Howard Hodgson so yeah enjoy and we'll catch you next week when we get back after the Blackburn result hopefully a victory for Villa and hopefully we can go on forwards with positivity but yeah for this week it's Danny and Howard so enjoy. Joining me on the line right now uh, as a very, very special interview guest for the Hulkcast today is Howard Hodgson. He has spent 40 years supporting the club. He's previously been a director of the Supporters Trust, and he is very well known as a successful businessman who has been close to various people within the club. You might remember him um, having written certain reports in the club uh, a number of years ago. And all in all, with everything that has been surrounding the club, uh, I feel like he would be a very, very interesting person to hear from. Howard, welcome to the Hulkcast today. Uh, how have you uh, rated this season so far as a Villa fan, considering you've been watching us for so long? Well, hi, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, pleasure to have you. Thank you. Um, well, I would say it's, you know, it's it's very disappointing. I mean... Yes, we started with a couple of wins. Uh, I didn't think we were convincing in either of those games. Hull and um, Wigan, I think they were. A uh, very late goal to win against Wigan at Villa Park. Uh, we then uh, played the over on the cup and were very poor on the night. Should have lost. Somehow, a bit of codger magic meant that we won. Uh, but we all know, we've watched the game long enough to know that if you constantly play badly it will catch up with you and 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 that's what's happened uh, you know we've now gone four games without a win uh we've not played particularly hard teams you know we went to Ipswich who are I believe in the bottom in the bottom at, uh three or four of the division at the moment and played and yeah. only got a one only got a one one there and uh you know they were down to 10 men for a lot of that game um and then we uh Played Reading at home, who are rock bottom of the division. And all right, we let in a goal very late. But, um, but you know, 1-1 at home to Reading again uh, was a poor result and really was brought on by ourselves being very negative towards the end of the game. I think we were left with no strikers on the pitch at all, playing a 5-5 formation. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the, uh, I mean... Sorry, the one I've missed out in between was Brentford. Now, in fairness, against Brentford, we played very well for an hour. I mean, uh, you know, we actually we did the high press and, and played with fluidity and, and, and movement off the ball and everything you really don't associate with, with this Aston Villa team under Steve Bruce uh, very often. But it was good. But because the defence is so, you know, weak at the moment and he's playing players out of position and we're short on centre-backs etc we still found ourselves 2-1 down um in into injury time and and only a you know a great codger header managed to get one point and then obviously how would sorry go on daniel yeah no, you, no, sorry, you carry on, carry on. Well, I was just going to finish um, really with the quick review in, in of the season so far in terms of, you know, and then the, the, the you know, it really, you know, it all went horribly wrong last week. Well, we had the um, mm. the debacle at Burton, which, you know, Bruce completely um, blamed the fact that he was using his, um, you know, his B team, if you like, um, his players on the fringes and he was expecting them to, to um to you know really want to bust a gut and and and, and play play well and and, and see sort of wipe uh Burton away um instead you know it was quite the opposite we were absolutely lethargic and terrible on the night and uh thoroughly deserved to lose um and don't forget they're now not even a championship side they're a league one side and i think 20, <laughs> 21st in the in league one 
Um, and then, but Bruce then afterwards claimed that, you know, he, you would see a very different Aston Villa on the Saturday against Sheffield United. Um, a totally different eleven, which he was good to his word. It was very different. But I'm afraid the performance, if anything, was even worse. And we, um, and you know, 3-0 down at half-time could have been even worse than that. Um, and, uh, you know, not much better in the second half. So 4-1 trouncing. Leaves everybody very deflated, and uh, the manager definitely under pressure. So, Howard, I mean, you mentioned this. You mentioned this this sort of slow decline we've had since the start of the season. I mean, are we taught, you know, years ago, back when I was doing community radio in Birmingham, back before I had a beard? You know, it was a very, very long time ago. Um, and you know, this was this was during the time when 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 Lambert was was in charge as a manager, yeah. and it was I was going to say Doug Ellis for a second. It was Randy Lerner, yeah. um, who was who was owner of the club. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you look at Villa right now, all the components are there, right? We've got a very talented squad. We've got um, good owners now backing us. Are things really as bad as they were back then? Well, I mean, on the face of it, they're, they're worse, aren't they? Because, uh, um, you know, because at least then we had Premier League status. Um, we, uh, you know, and we'd been an ever-present in the Premier League. So we'd never been relegated out of the Premier League in the Premier League era. We were hanging on and we thought it was pretty atrocious back then. Um, and it sort of, you know made me write that report back in 2014, I think it was, um, about everything that was wrong with Aston Villa. And I do remember saying, if they don't they don't wake up, then we will eventually get relegated. And of course, we did get relegated. And things have got progressively worse. And unfortunately, we had the takeover with uh, Dr. Tony. And, you know, he came in with a lot of, um, you know, um, bluster and, you know, and all the big claims that, you know, we were going to be winning Champions Leagues in five years or whatever. Um, and here we are, third season in the Championship, almost went bust. You know, how how frightening is that? The club almost went bust. Uh, Very close. Yeah. And, you know, running, you know, wildly above our means, um, you know, out of cash, Borrowed all sorts of future income against, uh, you know, just to survive. And uh, it was it was a horrible gamble that went horribly wrong, very reckless. And uh, thankfully, these two guys, you know, came, came, were found in the nick of time. And so we still had a football club. So that, you know, we should be extremely grateful for that. Um, but, um, you know, as you've alluded to, Daniel, um, we have we have an excellent squad of players, as we did last season for this division. An embarrassment of riches, really, um, with the exception yeah, yeah. of defence. He has he has somehow allowed himself to, and this is Bruce I'm talking about. Um, right, right. Uh, put a, a great squad together in terms of attacking options. You know, I mean. The likes of Balassi and uh, Abraham and Codger and Grealish and uh, Ghazi. I mean, these you know these are top top players. You know, I mean they they wouldn't look out of place in a Premier League side, let alone a, a Championship side. So terrific options, and, and John McGinn as well, who's you know done well. So going forward, you'd think we'd be fantastic now, um, but we're not particularly because Bruce tends to play us. In zones, he doesn't allow the players to to really express themselves when we're in possession. So, you know, the movement off the ball is very limited, um, and they don't seem to be able to, to create the um, the the actual chances. We might have lots of possession, but because we're we're so sort of cautious in our movement off the ball, we don't seem to you know cut open teams up because um, you know we're static and it's quite easy to defend against. So that's problem one. We've got great personnel, but the tactics for me are far too cautious. And then problem two is he's picking a team at the back, which is, you know, it's square pegs and round holes scenario. You, you know, you've got, <laughs> you've got Alan Hutton at left back when he should be at right back. You've got Axel at right back when he should be centre back. You've got Yedinak at centre back when he should be in midfield. 
I mean, it's just all over the place, you know. Um, and, and, you know, then you've got the added thing of Tommy Elphick, you know, where we're short on centre-backs and he allows Tommy Elphick to go out on loan, um, <laughs> which, you know, is really bizarre behaviour from the manager, I have to say. So, I mean, you know, comparing comparing what happened back back then when when, when, you, when, when you released the report and whatnot, you know, a lot of the things that we talked about that were very much sort of... Um, higher up than the manager those kinds of issues they were very much sort of business issues a lot of those things were are, are you telling me now that what we've got right now is purely an issue of management i think so for this division look the club the club's got a long way back now i mean you know when you're into your third year in the championship you're starting to become a championship club you know the the days of oh this is just a temporary blip uh are getting close to being Oh, if we're not careful here, we're going to turn into Forest and Leeds. You know, we're going to be down here a long time. Um, but you know, they've they've put together another great squad potentially to to dominate the division. Certainly, um, be in the top six, and you know, you would hope really pushing top two. Um, but you know, for me, um, I look at this. I look at team sheets every week when we play a team. Say Ipswich. And you, you read down right. our 11 and, you know, these are big names. You know, you, you list them off. They're big names, well-known players. You, you you go through the Ipswich team sheet and you think, well, I don't know any of these guys. You know, they're, they're all fairly unknown players. You get the odd journeyman that used to be good, you know, that sort of thing. And and it's our, ta- our lack of tactics and our lack of coaching that's bringing the opponent back to us and making it a more level playing field, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think coaching... Uh, is sadly lacking. And I think Steve Bruce, although he's had a great uh, career um, in getting teams promoted in the past, um, you know, he's based it purely, usually, on having better players than the than the opposition. And, and clearly he has that here. But I think the standard of football and the standard of coaching in the championship has gone up. You know, I really do. And mm-hmm. if you analyse who's gone up since we've been... Um, in the championship, you know, it's nearly all good footballing sides. You know, you've got Brighton, you've got Huddersfield, you've got uh, Fulham, you've got Wolves. Probably only Cardiff was the only the only anomaly to that with with Warnock. But even they played with a very much um, an authority and a directness and with a lot of pace. That you sure. know, at least they had an identity. Villa's football is nondescript. There's no there's no real style. You can't really put your finger on how we play. You know, it's not even a Pulis type, really well organized, well drilled side. It's you know, it's conceding goals, and it and it's all over the place, and and really only relies on individual magic to score goals. So, yeah, I think Bruce is a hindrance. I really do. You talk about you talk about Steve Bruce, and you talk about you know the fact that that Villa have you know for the, for the last couple of years under him not not made. You know any real progress? I mean, obviously, uh, obviously we finished third last year, but it, it would seem, you know, from fourth. Sorry, it would seem that you know now the way that we are playing this season, we're going backwards. You've been, you know, obviously close to to various people who have been involved quite high up in the Aston Villa setup for for a few years. Do you think, in the minds of these owners, there's going to be a part of them? thinking, look, we need to make a very drastic change? Or do you think that, you know, as, as many Villa fans believe, they'd rather sit there and wait to, you know, before making that kind of a massive decision, you know, giving Steve Bruce a chance? Yeah. Well, see, um, Daniel, when when uh, when they got the club, um, so I think it was July the 20th when they did the deal with Tony, um, for me... And you remember there was all that talk of Henri, et cetera. Um, oh, yeah. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not saying they should have appointed Thierry Henri particularly, although, you know, it would have, have been a really interesting experiment. I would have been quite excited <laughs> by it, but I, I have no idea if it would have worked or not because he has no track record. No. Um, um, but um, I would have replaced Steve Bruce there and then. I just think, you know, it was time. He'd, he'd had his... You know, after May the 26th, when we, you know, when we copped up that playoff final so badly, especially in the first half, I mean, you know, he's had his time. They, clearly, the 
previous owner or the previous majority shareholder couldn't afford to uh, to pay him off, so they, he survived. But the minute these guys came in, I just said, you know, thanks, Steve. You know, thanks for steadying the ship. You had a good crack at it, but you didn't make it. Goodbye. Um, because there's good um, there's good managers available. You know, um, whether you could you could have got somebody out of another club with with the profile of these guys, maybe you could. But if you couldn't, there are good managers available in the open market. Um, I'm talking. Um, Kiki Sanchez Flores. I'm mm-hmm. talking Oscar Garcia. Um, I'm talking Ronald de Bur- Frank de Bur- You know, is it Ronald or Frank? I can never remember which one of the de Bur brothers is the manager. Um, one of them. I think anyway. it's Frank. I think it's Frank. It's Frank, is it? I mean, he, he clearly uh, didn't have a great time at um, Palace, but he only got about four games. Um, and um, he he did great at Ajax. So, you know, he's a good coach. Ideally, I want somebody to come into Aston Villa and just grab it and like put down some proper coaching philosophies down there and start trying to do what Wolves have done, what um, um, with with Santos, what Fulham did with Ivanovic, you know, and you know, play play the the fast tempo, good football that that you know that you know Aston Villa should be playing and you know you can say oh well that sounds you know, that sounds a bit snobby you know you want you want no um because it, you know i believe that good football goes hand in hand with good results you know and i and you know these guys have proved it and it is the best way to get out of this division these days um and we have we have the, the quality of player to do it that's the really frustrating thing so in terms of answering your question where we're at now with him mm. um they're a bit they're a bit stuck because they decided you know there was clearly something in the Henri thing and for for whatever reason they decided quite late on to abandon that idea um and I think that was largely down to a lot of fans were pretty against it so that probably spooked them a bit and also the media you know really went on the on the on the Violent defence of Steve Bruce—that's um, worrying, though, and, isn't it? That they come in, it's that they, you know put their yeah, eyes on one I, man, though. I agree that it's you know you, you know we're only speculating. It might not be, but I you know I think that's the more the most obvious what what happened, and um, and that you know I would have hoped that they could have just stuck to their to having a vision and a philosophy and just stuck with what they wanted to do. But for whatever reason, maybe they spoke to Bruce and he. You know he can be quite convincing in person. You know, um, um, in terms, you know, he seems to fool a lot of people. Look know? at his signings. So, well, yeah, exactly. People, you know, they they sign for him. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to Tammy Abrams saying, "Oh, I can't wait to play dominating football." And I was thinking, "Mate, have you watched us under Steve Bruce? We don't, you know, we don't dominate games." Um, but um, anyway, you know, he does manage to convince, so he's quite convinced. So maybe they met with him and he, they thought, right, yeah, that, you know, this guy, after all, this guy has done, I bet he gave him the big four promotion speech, you know, and he was one goal away from doing it last year. So they probably thought, well, actually, you know, Henri is like big name, but we really have no idea, how, you know, like Frank Lampard at Derby, we have no idea how it's going to go. Um, or, you know, this guy who did get very close last year, um, you know, and, and is the current manager. So the squad seemed to quite like him. Um, and uh, so let's stick with him. So if you if you think of it from now, they've had they've, he's only been there six games uh, with them. He's only lost one game, even though, you know, we've. We haven't won in four. You can look at that. So you can look at that two ways. Hmm. Um, and and two of his big signings haven't even played for him yet in terms of Abraham and Balassi. So he was never going to get sacked in this uh, in this uh, window, uh, you know, in this international break. That just wasn't going to happen, um, no matter how bad we were at Sheffield United and no matter really how right that decision would probably be, in my opinion. But, um, but you know, if he now goes to the next break and the results haven't picked up, and again, we've got not very difficult run of games. I mean, I think we've got the likes of Blackburn, Rotherham. You know, there's, there's plenty of winnable games coming up still. 
then if, if, if he doesn't get close to maximum points and keeps us very much in touch with the top two between now and the next break, then I think he's in trouble. Yeah, I'd say I'd go as far as saying if, if, if he doesn't manage to pick up, you know, at least four points against Blackburn and Rotherham, yeah, I think the club will have to be considering his position. But I, th- I think I think rightly so Villa fans are slightly speculative as to whether or not you know that the, the the board are, are considering um, doing anything with him at the moment because as you say if there was a point for Villa to have changed manager to move to another direction I won't have said sack um, then it would have been when they did come in um, Wes Edens obviously has 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 run a successful franchise in the NBA uh, do you trust him to or I mean, Nassif obviously is the is 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 the is the leading owner at the moment, obviously. But would do do you trust him to to make that decision when it is right, or do you see or do you feel a little bit more pessimistic um, about the club uh, than he did at the start of the season? Um, it's really hard to answer that at the moment, Daniel, because it's such early days. You know, it's like. Um, yeah, it's really early to be judging these guys on their capability of doing a sound job in, in running Aston Villa, um, you know, because it's such early days. You know, the big pluses in terms of, you know, they, the fact that they kept Grealish and Chester and, you know, and added all these quality players. I mean, that's tremendous. Um, Those are tremendous yeah. achievements already. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that so that was all terrific you know and you know because they could be easily cashed in uh jack Grealish to Tottenham, you know mm. because you know the money the money came right up towards the end of the window you know i bet daniel levy's still kicking himself now you know the fact that he could have had jack for 15 million if he'd done it earlier in the window of um of tony because tony was so desperate for cash at that point mm. uh, but of course daniel being daniel thought he, we wouldn't get these two guys in and probably thought he could get him for even less so that backfired on Levy, and you know, oh dear, what a shame! <laughs> but um, so it's great for us, and you know, and it's great that Jack's still there. Um, I must admit, I think he's looked a bit frustrated in the last couple of games, Jack. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at a lot of the performances of players on the pitch and, and wondering whether they're still, you know, putting a hundred percent effort in there at the moment you know some some fans suggesting that Steve Bruce has, has lost the dressing room but you know to, to have kept a guy like Jack Grealish you know it was something that I was I was talking about in the, in, in the summer window I mean you know we talk about Aston Villa and we talk about the worth and you know there's all these issues with money going on um Jack Grealish is a is a huge asset and you know he makes I mean he adds value to the club doesn't he um I mean I mean if you think about it I mean they've just They've just picked up 55% of Aston Villa, 40 million quid. Um, and Jack Jack's value isn't that far off that, you know, maybe 25, 30. So, you know, if you look at it in those terms, yeah, he's hugely important. Um, so, um, you know, and, and we, we, you know, he's our baby. We produced him, you know, he's, he's a Villa boy through and through. He's big, big Villa family, you know, so... Um, it's you know he is he is he is the icon really now of the club so yeah it's fantastic that we held on to him for you know so many years we've watched our best players get sold um, so um, it was that that was great um, so you know well done well done uh, Wes and Nassif on that front again as I said I think they I think they made a mistake uh, in sticking with Steve Bruce. And, you know, at the moment, that's looking valid, theory. Um, look, Steve Bruce will win games. There's no, I, it's every chance that we'll, we'll come back off this break and he'll go on one of his winning streaks. The problem is there'll always be a losing streak around the corner as well. And so how long do you continue on this cycle? You know, yeah. because we've, uh, because, you know, with this squad, we will undoubtedly get fairly close again, whether he stays or whether he doesn't. That, that's for sure. But if you want to build something properly and do something, you know, long term and, and and have you know go up, go up, promoted with a style ready to be able to play, you know, on on the, at the next level, then he's not your man. And look, you're a businessman, 
right? You're 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 a businessman. People uh, people talk about stability at the club, and you know I've been, you know you, you hear people asking the question, well, how many times can you sack managers over and over and over? Steve Bruce has been in the position for quite a while now. You know, it's 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 time for him now. If he need, if he wants to perform, if he wants to take the club forward, he needs to do it now. It is absolutely crunch time. You know, this isn't the case of this isn't a case of of, of sacking managers willy nilly now, is it? No, I mean he's been here nearly two years, which okay isn't a huge length of time, but it's it's long enough to know mm. the way the way it's going to go. You know, he's had a few windows. You, you know, he's had nearly a hundred games. You know, you know after that length of time, you know how this is going to go. And of course, he's been around the block a long time, and you only have to look at look at previous stints at other clubs to know how he manages. This is never going to change with this guy. Sure. I mean. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, uh, he, he's primarily brought in to do a job, which was to get promoted and to get promoted quickly as a specialist. And, and you know, he, he made noises, Daniel, that he would get us into the playoffs in the first season, you know, when he joined after 11 games after Di Matteo. Yeah. I've got the transcripts from his interviews and Wynas. They both said, you know... Uh, we can we can easily get into the playoffs this uh, this season. Well, we finished thirteenth, and the second season, you know, it was categoric. Bruce on more than one occasion said, "Well, look, I know that I won't be here next season if we don't go up." And you know that all seemed to change again, and the goalposts just seemed to always change. You know, things you know, history seems to get rewritten all the time, and I just think that if you if you if you go with this guy, you need you need fairly instant results, and if he doesn't deliver it, it's very little point in uh, holding on to him. You mentioned uh, Keith Wyness in, in in your answer there. Uh, now, obviously, yeah. at the end of last season, Keith Wyness was obviously, but I mean, by by you know, within the summer, uh, we 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 heard the news that he was no longer part of the club. Um, but now there has been a new CEO. Uh, appointed at Villa. Uh, what do you think is perhaps the thinking behind appointing somebody new? And what sort of role will they be playing in achieving the intended goals um, of the chairman? So we're talking about Mr. Purslow now, are we, in terms yes, of that's the right. CEO? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, they've. Um, this is quite an unusual situation that's... Um, that's happened here in terms of Christian Perso has actually taken equity in the club himself. We don't know the details of that. So uh, whether he's actually bought shares off um, Nassif and Wes, um, or whether they've given them, given him some equity where, you know, often you get uh, with chief executives, you get uh, offered what's called sweat equity, which right. is where you were basically, yeah, you basically get offered some shares to basically incentivize yourself to, you know, incentivize the candidate to produce. You know, so if the company's doing well, he's doing well, etc. So whether they've be, he's he's been given equity on that basis, or whether he's actually invested his own money into the business, because by the way, he's very wealthy in his own right. Um, I still think so. You know, know, considering his previous posts. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's had he's had uh, he's been involved in private equity and all sorts of things. He's you know he's a very established businessman in his own right. So, um, so he's going to be. I think he. I think they've made it. But uh, it's again, it's quite tricky because they've been very quiet. These guys haven't they? Let's be honest. We they had they did um a very very short initial interview when they bought the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we haven't heard from Perslow yet, have we? He hasn't done anything. So. It's a little bit difficult to uh, to work out exactly, um, you know, uh, how integral his part's going to be. But I think he's going to be the main leader of the club. You know, I mean, I know Nassi's executive chairman, um, but I think uh, personally is going to be very hands-on chief executive from what I gather. And, you know, obviously you, you, you mentioned them being so quiet. <laughs> I mean, do, do, do you think it's some sort of a response to, to Tony Zia's style of management? It's amazing, isn't it? Because we've gone Randy Lerner, who was, you know, complete recluse and just made, you know, used to do these crazy statements every couple of years, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Written statements. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Shunamite and all that nonsense. Yeah. Or, or, um, and then, or then the um, to Tony, who you know never, never really stopped uh, talking, and certainly was extremely active on Twitter. Let's say I liked it in some ways. Um, no, I mean it was great, wasn't it? It was, you know, it was really, uh, it was very unique, and you know, a lot of people in the business world would frown upon it and say it's very unprofessional. Um, and it's not what an owner of a club should be doing. But you know what? It's a very unique style business football. And in many ways, it was refreshing. Um, obviously, he got caught out a few times, you know, with his bust-ups with Holloway and other guys. And it was very entertaining. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think they probably they probably looked at it and thought that that was completely not the way to do it. And they've, they probably have made a conscious effort to be the complete opposite. Now, I know you've obviously previously been involved with, with the Aston Villa Supporters Trust. Um, how important is it, you know, for these owners, do you think? I mean, obviously, because, you know, this is the Hulk cast. This is, this is uh, a fan's podcast, of course. How important do you think it is that they do listen to the fans and that the fans are involved some way uh, in terms of helping them make decisions for the club? I think um, good channeled fan involvement is essential. I mean, you know, it it happens a lot in Germany. A lot of the German clubs, um, the the fans actually own 51% of of their clubs. Yeah. And it it gives, it gives the clubs fantastic protection because, you know, who, who loves the club more than the fans? Nobody. I mean, you know, we, it's, you know, we're, we're the ultimate stakeholders, you know, we're, we're the people that, you know, just, you know, we're the, we're the, the constant, we're the ones that are there through thick and thin, you know, and, uh, and, you know, one thing that annoys me is, is the fact that fan opinion often gets um, sort of undervalued. Um, you know, businessmen think that, you know, we're too emotional, too passionate, etc. But actually, channeled right and 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 coupled with you know good pragmatism and good business sense and you can't beat it i mean because you know take for example myself like i've i've 40 years of of watching and studying this club you know my my brain is full of full of aston villa mm. now personally every, 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 you know every will in the world he, he doesn't have that level of knowledge of the club now he's He's obviously far more experienced at being chief executive of a football club. I'm not for one minute saying I should be chief executive. He shouldn't. But you, sh- you could easily, there is room for, for somebody, be it myself or somebody else with my, you know, my sort of background uh, it, that, that's, you know, had experience of being in boardrooms and big, making big business decisions, but also has that Aston Villa DNA and Aston Villa knowledge. To represent supporters, and 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 give you know good informed advice on on things you know whether they want to listen or not that's up to them because they ultimately own the club but I think it would be terrific and very helpful to them to have to have that sort of knowledge on board they shouldn't they shouldn't they shouldn't frown at it they should welcome it you know if you look at if you look at clubs like Leon in the past uh you know this isn't necessarily involving fans or anything but one of the reasons why they became so strong you know in the early 2000s and the late 90s was because they had you know they had more than one person making the decisions for the club and you know you, they, they, that that has been replicated more than a few times it's pure business sense i mean i think it's it's just it's almost 101 when it comes to decision making that more than one brain, 10 brains, for example, you know, multiply that however many, however many times um, uh, as you want uh, are better than one. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's something that, that, you know, a lot of chairmen need to take into account. I think certainly in my opinion, because as you say, uh, why wouldn't, why would you reject that kind of advice? Why would you reject that sort of knowledge um, that I'm sure is involved in, in the, in the brains of so many Villa fans? Um, yeah, I agree. I think, I think, you know, that's it. You know, the fans, you know, the, we, you know, a guy tonight on Twitter posted a picture of the, of the, do you remember that old green away kit in the nineties when Ron Atkinson was manager? Were you, were you too young for that? I was too young for it, but I've seen it and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and he put the picture up and he immediately said, what, you know, what, it's just the shirt. And he immediately said, who does that make you think of? And straight away, you know, three games came into my head straight away. And the main player was Daly and Atkinson because he scored away, you know, at Arsenal in that shirt and on, on our way to winning the League Cup in 1994. You know, and those sort of things. Now, I know that, you know, they may seem trivial to uh, to the running of a football club, but all that, you know, all that information. And, you, and when you live through the good times and the bad times, you know, you, you sort of remember how you got to, to the good times and you remember how the bad times happened. And and it's just all really useful stuff. And, um, you know, as I say, it should be embraced. And if they don't, then, um, then, they're, then they're missing a trick. And I'm afraid, you know, Randy Lerner did, and it, to his huge cost. Mm. And, uh, you know, Tony, well, he wasn't really there long enough to develop anything because it was only two seasons. But anyway, let's let's hope that they do <laughs> have a good relationship with the fans and that they're um, and that we, you know, we can you know have a good rapport with our owners. Cause it's vital. It's vital that owners and supporters get on, you know, and, you know, they're not going to always make decisions that we're going to like, but finding that they're. We can see that they're they're good, honest people, and they're running the business sensibly, and you know, and they want the best for us. Then that's all you can ask for, really. Absolutely, um, and I suppose final final uh, thing on this point, you put out a hypothetical earlier on Twitter uh, about the idea that, uh, well, or the possibility, you know, what if NWSE, as you say, um, the, the holdings company that um, that, that Wesins and, and, and Nassif Safiris are, as, as correct me if I'm wrong here, um, have, have, have put together. What if they were to, mm-hmm. to to sell shares of the club to fans? Tell us what that would mean if that was to happen, and tell me what you think the likelihood of that happening is. So, if we look at Aston Villa's ownership as it stands, we have. Three major shareholders, if you like. Um, you have you have Tony Shear, the, the former one hundred percent owner, who now owns forty five percent, and you have um, Christian Perslow, who we don't know how much he owns, but it, I'm sure it's not very much. Probably single figures uh, between three and five percent sure. um, maximum. Um, and then um, and then we have the two new guys, Nassif and Wes, um, NWSC, they call themselves, and, and they have 27.5% each. So that makes it your 100%. Um, although, actually, sorry, no, they'll have a little bit less because I'm assuming that the, the shares that they've given to Christian Perslow will have come from their shareholders. So right, right. They'll be a little bit diluted, a bit diluted after that. So, so then if... I think what triggered the idea and why I put it out there today was I said, well, they've been willing to give the CEO some shares or they've either, they've either been willing to sell him some or they've been willing to give him some. Um, so if they're willing to do that with him and we've not had an, an owner do that with any other CEO, then maybe they'd be willing to do that with the supporters. Now, it might be 5%, it might be 10%. I mean, it would... It, it would have to be, I'm guessing, it w- we would have to probably take it from, from Dr. Tony's uh, shares uh, or, or depending on whether, as and when they're going to take over his shares because they are going to, whatever, they're going to want to retain majority at all points. So they'll always want to be over 50, I would have thought. Um, so we, you know, I just wanted to explore the opportunities of either buying off Tony, um, you know, somebody that looks like he's on the way out of Aston Villa um, on a sort of, you know, on a staggered basis, whether we could buy some shares off him or whether um, NWSE, once they get his shares, and there may be a natural course of events where they take his shares, we could then take some shares back off them. Um, and if And if we did... Um, you know, uh, I, I've had some very good responses some very positive. A lot of fans would be very interested to, to buy shares. Um, but what, what we have to make sure is that we have a very good shareholders agreement insofar as that we would get a seat on the board um, and we would elect somebody to do that. Um, and once that, that person was in place, he had a proper voice uh, representing the supporters and their shareholders. 
um, on, on, on how to run the football club and, and, and to try and make sure that we have um, a slightly more happy decade than the one we've just been through. Because let's face it, since Doug Ellis sold Aston Villa, we've had loads and loads of rich owners and it's been a disaster. And that just shows you that money alone just does not work. You have to have, you know, strategy and good decision makers. Mm. And um, they've been sorely missing. And I do think that there is room in that boardroom, somebody with Aston Villa DNA. And, and if, it's, if the only way to get that person in there is to for the fans to, to buy shares, then, then why not? Hmm. Is Aston Villa DNA what's missing from the club? Is it that little piece of the jigsaw? I wonder. Uh, Howard, it's very good, um, very good uh, theory to put out there. Actually, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I just wonder what would be a, what would be a, a good amount, or what would be an, a decent amount for the for the club to to put out for you know fans to have a say. Um, but if it's in if terms it, of a stake, yeah, yeah, would it be one, two, five percent? I think uh, you'd you'd want you'd want between five and ten percent as a minimum, right? Um, and 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 uh, you know the, as much of, of, of as you could get. I mean, if you could get, you know, the more the better, because it just means that going forward, then if these guys suddenly have enough, let's say, let's forward wind in a negative frame of mind, and say we we don't get promoted again this season, then we've suddenly got a business that 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 is, you know, practically insolvent without these guys constantly putting money into true, it. True, true. And they might, they, they might get fed up with these cash calls, constant cash calls. You know, these guys haven't made lots and lots of money to just throw it away all on Aston Villa. So, they're, you know, they, 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 from, I think they've seen Aston Villa as a massive opportunity. It was under, it was undervalued. They picked it up for a reasonable price. And if they get it promoted, that's going to multiply, you know, overnight significantly. Of course, you know, that was the scenario Tony Shear was banking on as well. And, and it didn't happen. And, and if it doesn't happen, there'll be no parachute money at all. Um, and, our, and our turnover will be very, very small. And we've still got a very high wage bill. So we will be, you know, in, in trouble. And, and they, you know, they, they won't go on indefinitely. So if we've secured a good shareholding at least at that point then at least then we can we can at least you know be instrumental in who then buys the club going forward again you know as i say this is this is a negative scenario i'm hoping you know that you know we do get promoted this year or 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 whenever it happens and these guys are here a long time and you know because they have the the, the wealth and the ability to once we get into the Premier League to really keep us there and then really you know get back to um, competing with the Spurses and the Liverpools and the Evertons of this world. But um, but if they don't, at least if we've secured a good shareholding in the business, we've got you know we can try and protect it from uh, future vultures. Well, well, look, Howard, we, we we've talked business, you know, for for for, for so long now, and I, and you know, I think I think both of us are are raring to go to talk you know, about some of the matters on the pitch. Um, and, yeah. you know, you know, we, we've been talking about Steve Bruce. You obviously don't believe that he's the right man for the job at the moment. But let's pose a question. Um, Aston Villa, obviously, we want to be getting promoted at the end of the season. That should be the target. There's no doubt in my mind with the squad that we have um, that we should be getting promoted. Let's pose a hypothetical that you have been brought in as a personal advisor to Steve Bruce to save his job. What are, what is the first thing that you say to him? What is the first thing that you tell Steve Bruce that he is doing wrong, that he needs to do to fix uh, basically uh, AVFC's uh, troubles so far? Right. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's a real hypothetical because there's no way you'd ever listen to me. He's very happy. It's, um, yeah, yeah okay you know first thing maybe don't be yeah. so stubborn no absolutely i think that's a huge issue with him and, and and you know i think he's been around now long enough to know he'll never change but okay let's let's look at it from that uh perspective well for a start you've got to pick players that are in their positions the positions that they know how to play 
So, you know, Yedinak is not a centre-back. So the first thing you do is take him out of the central defence. You know, he has to come out, you know. Um, and depending on who we're playing, if we're playing big physical team, you can put you can slot him straight back into his normal position. If we're playing a fast sort of mobile side, I wouldn't be picking him anymore, to be honest. Mm. He would probably be on the bench or... Uh, not in the match day squad, but certainly when we're playing a Middlesbrough or somebody like that, you'd have him playing just in front of the back four. Um, so then you, let's, I mean, the strong rumours that John Terry's coming back. Obviously, if he's coming back, he'll slot straight into the central defence um, with Chester. And, they, you know, for most of the last season, they were pretty solid. Um, if, if he doesn't come back, um, then you've got to be looking at playing Axel um, in the uh, in the centre back area, which was where he played for Man United in pre season, or you there is the option of playing James Bree there. Apparently, he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, pretty unproven and untried. Mm. But um, um, but this is this is this is the scenario Bruce has left us with. You know, in terms of options at centre back, they're so limited. Um, and then you, and then obviously um, left back. You know he signed Neil Taylor. Now I know Neil Taylor's um, performances have really dipped um, in the last sort of few months, and I don't think he's really ever recovered from that injury he sustained in that Welsh in that Welsh game. Um, not really been the same player since. But um, but I would I would give him a chance at left back because he is a left back. <laughs> And then you, and then right back where you've got multiple options at right back. We've got about half a dozen right backs. You know, you you could play uh, Hutton there. You could play um, you could play Bree there if Axel's playing at centre back. You could play <laughs> Delap there. You could play Elmo there. I mean, we've got so many right backs. It's ridiculous. Um, the goalkeeper um, early days. I mean, he's been very up and down. Uh, he made terrific saves against um, Reading. Double save was out of this world. Um, and he made some very important saves against Brentford when it was when it was 2-1. And they could have easily made it 3-1. And in the end, we got it back to 2-2, thanks to some great saves. Equally, he's made some quite bad errors. Um, and certainly on Saturday, he looked at fault for a couple of goals. So... So I think it's early days in Ireland, and you probably persevere with him for now. But if if mm. the errors continue, you'd have to give the other goalie a chance. So you've got to get your defence sorted out because the defence is leaked, Daniel. Eleven goals in six games. It's awful, isn't it? You know that's yeah. I mean, it's virtually two goals a game. You've got to score three goals every week to win a match. It's not going to happen. Anymore. And do you know what? The, the... Not not with Bruce. Managing. Yeah, and I mean yeah. the the centre back situation is 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 something that I think everybody is really scratching their head around. I mean, you mentioned James Bree; it's a possibility over there, but you know he's he's a young right back. I mean, I I think I I I I had a massive complaint to make last week, you know, about the fact that we signed such a young and promising right back, and then we're almost ruining him by playing him at centre back. But the reality is, right now, yeah. is you know we have Axel Tanzibi, who Bruce seems to be deploying at right back, but other than him. We've got one recognised centre-back in James Chester. Now, there has been some yeah. funny stuff flying around Twitter. <laughs> really, really funny stuff. Um, some people alluding yeah. to the idea of a conspiracy theory that Steve Bruce purposefully uh, yeah. got rid of Elphick and, and and didn't sign a centre-back so that you know the, the, the owners would be forced to sign John Terry. Firstly, could we dismiss yeah. any any ideas of a, of a conspiracy? And secondly, do we think the club could really afford him? Listen, if that, if if that was the case, and you know you you mentioned earlier, well, that's a bit worrying. If you know they backed they backed out of 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 sacking Bruce because they were worried about fans and media reaction. Well, if you know if if then he's managed to pull off this sort of uh, situation, you know, again, and really, you know, I don't care how wealthy they are, you'd be very worried that they really don't know what they're doing, you know, allowing a manager to, to manipulate a situation like that. I don't think that could possibly have been the case. I mean, at the end of the day, they they very nearly signed the French guy, uh, Harold, somebody, do you remember? Uh, yeah. um, he, what do you, know, you think his name was? He came over. It began with M, didn't it? Anyway, he came, he came over and, uh, you know, and he was all set to sign and then he had a change of heart. So for once, Bruce didn't work his magic on there, um, and then um, 
uh, and then the, you know they tried to sign the um, the Scottish guy as well very late in the day uh, on on the Friday, oh, and they would have got him. But they, but they were insisting that they paid uh, that we paid ten million in January um, to make the deal permanent. So, um, so I don't know. No, I don't <laughs> think this uh, Terry is a is a conspiracy. Um, but uh, it does beg the question why why he's you know allowed this situation to arise. And if you know if if John Terry was his preferred option. Um, and you know why they just didn't bring him back earlier. But uh, anyway, he's he's you know if he does come back, I he, I'm not sure how. Um, he's going to be 38 in December now. I know he's an exceptionally fit man, um, but he you know he was caught out on occasion last year, so he won't resolve all our issues. Um, but his presence, I would say, his presence and his and his effect on others certainly will help. Steve Bruce a great deal. He's clearly a very key person in the dressing room and they've clearly missed his leadership big time. As far as the midfield and the attack goes, you know, I think I've made no secret in believing that there is a very healthy squad available to us. I mean, if we ignore the defence, which is absolutely crooked at the moment. uh, We've got Jack Grealish. Obviously, we've still got a hold of him. We've got the likes of Conor Hurahan, John McGinn. Um, if we're talking about the midfield. And then we look at some of the signings that, that have been made. El Ghazi, who's, who's a terrific signing. I don't think many people really understood when we signed him how terrific a signing he, he, he is. Um, yeah. And then you've got the, you've also got, um, what's his name? Sorry, uh, Yannick Balassi as well, who, who he signed. Uh, and, you know, Tammy Abraham's just been signed. We've got Jonathan Codger. That, that attack force is ridiculously good. Uh it is. Do, do you think that they're going to be able to overcome this? Um, what's the word? This this negative identity that Villa have gotten now that we're negative and, and unable to score goals. Be absolutely crazy, wouldn't it, to have all those all those attacking options and those flair players that you've just listed, and not play with attacking intent? I mean, it would just be ludicrous waste of resource. Um. But you know, first of all, you have to get a balance. You have to get. You can't play them all. You've got to have a, a balanced team. So we we probably need to try and work out what our best team is. Um, and second of all, um, they need to be allowed to play with freedom. You know, they, they can't play in these zones that Bruce does. I've watched players. They they're frightened to to make runs to make runs off the cuff off the ball because. They're so drilled into their defensive duties that they're worried about them being caught on the counterattacks, mm. etc. But you know, you've got to let them, let them, you know, let the horses run. You know, let them, let them, let them go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you just listed a fantastic set of players there, and um, should be goals, goals, goals in there. No, should be. Absolutely. So I mean, who would you, Daniel? What would be? What would be your? Um, Team, my, you know, uh, going forward. My team. Um, I mean, like, look, I mean, think, look, yeah. I, mean I, th- I think personally, you know, the first thing really that we we need to do to actually win some games. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm perplexed by this because of the fact that we've been, you know, giving away so many goals and the, and the fact that you know we've lost so many points. Is that at some point, you know, if your experiment isn't working and make make no doubt about it, uh, make no doubt about it, Tanzibi at right back and and. Uh, Jedinaka centre back is an experiment. And firstly, I want to say, you know, I admire Steve Bruce for trying that and trying something different to see if it works. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But when you see repeatedly that it doesn't work, achieve some balance, first of all. So having said that, you know, whilst I liked Alan Hutton at left back last season, I think what you do is you play Hutton at right back or or El Mohamedy. You play Tanzibi and Chester at the uh, at centre back, and you play Neil Taylor at left back. Uh, then you know, in terms of the goalkeeper, I say you persist with Nyland. You know, despite how many uh, mistakes he's been making, part of that could be down to the defence. Then, in terms of the midfield, I'd say you go with Bjarnason as the as the holding midfielder. I'd say you then go with McGinn and Grealish just in front of him, and then I'd say you go with Tammy Abraham up front. You go with Yannick Balassi on the left hand side and El Ghazi on the right hand side, or you switch those two around. I think for me that is the team that I'd start with. 
and you can play around with Conor. And you got, got Kodja on the bench, yeah. Yeah, and Hurahan. You know, I think Hurahan has as much yeah. of a right to be starting as Grealish or uh, or McGinn. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, again, you know, that just highlights, you know, the, the, the depth and the quality of the player. And you can, when you can afford to leave out Kodja and Hurahan, and, you know, there are others. Um, you know, you know I, I, Hepburn Murphy, I'm sure, given a chance, would be, a, you know, a good player, played played in the right way. Um, so there'll be loads of, you know, threat from the bench, which you obviously need. I mean, would you um, do anything different? So, to that yeah, team? I, I think that's No, it's a good team. Good team, yeah. No, I, um, yeah, it'd be, yeah. I mean, I like I like Kodja as a player a lot. Um, so I, you know, but you can. There's loads of room for rotation there, isn't there? So that you know, you you, know, you can rotate um, depending on form and fitness. Right. So, and you don't um, have to put out four or five injured yeah. players like you did last week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just annoying. Statements like that just annoy me. You know, but um, I. I you know, the squad's good enough to you still you know, you just mentioned Hurahan, he didn't start him, did he? He could have done. Yeah. Um, um uh, but um yeah, so uh gonna be an interesting one, isn't it? Because he's had a lot of injury problems. Um and he's obviously arrived at Villa Park unfit. Ah, but he is getting there now. From big money, big, big money. Um, Do you reckon? So, well, I know that I. I mean, I know he's. I know he was on eighty k a week at Everton. I don't know how much of that we're paying, but I would have fought for Everton to let him go. We will be paying a fair amount of it. Um, so you know, he, you know, he, he was a massive player at Palace. They sold him for thirty million quid. So he's extremely, extremely talented. But he has had severe injuries, and he and you know hasn't seemed to come back from that injury too well yet. Let's hope. That's why Everton have let him go on loan. Let's hope that we're going to see the, you know, the the, the real Yannick Bellassi. Because if we do, he'll he'll rip the championship apart. Yeah, and you know, don't forget that he was a twenty-five million pound player. You know, Everton signed him from Crystal Palace for twenty-five million pounds two years ago. You know, it's it. He he could be that key in the championship. As I say, the, these players they're just too good for us not to go up. And uh, as as worried as I was last season when when. Um, Obviously, we didn't go up with the players that we had. I'm, I'd be even more worried by the end of the season if, if we don't go up with, with this squad. Uh, I think it, it will. Well, yeah. I mean, business-wise, we won't put it this way. Put it this way, yeah, Daniel. We won't. We won't see a, a squad next season with this level of quality. I promise you that. I mean, you know, these guys will rein it in a bit um, because they can't. Obviously, I don't know what's going to happen with FFP. We're clearly. You know, massively in breach of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they clearly, they, they're clearly not that worried about it. Um, and they probably just see it as a, a tax, a fine, or whatever. And that, well, looking at what's happened at QPR and Bournemouth and things, they think that they they'll probably be able to get around it. Um, but uh, you know, the, if we don't go up this time, um, I think we will definitely see. Um, you know, uh, some severe cutbacks next season because, you know, uh, they'll just have to because the club just won't have anything like the income to um, to support a wage bill that we're, that we're running to at the moment. And that's why a lot of these players have come in on loan. You know, it is, again, a one-year strategy, really, with the option, obviously, if we do get promoted, then you can, you can keep, you know, a lot of them and turn the loans into into full-time signings but sure. and, and equally if you don't you can let them go. well look Howard I, I you know it's 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 obviously a very very delicate situation at the club and it has been for a very long time it almost seems like it has been for you know a good decade or so now um, but I am sure that you are a very busy man uh, so uh, what I will do now is ask you for a couple of predictions now two very different predictions here uh, I want to know what you think the score will be, and or you don't even you don't even have to go exact with the score. I mean, tell me tell me whether you think you know Bruce is going to be making any changes for this game, uh, and and tell me how you expect the result to go uh, against Blackburn, which of course is our next game, um, and also how long do you think it is before the chairman uh, Sawiris Edens Zia make a drastic a very drastic decision on the club. 
in terms of the manager, I assume you mean on that. Yeah. That's what I'm alluding to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, okay, so let's do Blackburn first. Blackburn they made a good start, They're playing quite well under Mowbray, uh, and it's away. It's going to be a hard game. We're not playing well at all away from home. Um, so uh, I, I, I'd be. I think it's a one. It's a. It's a one point. I'd say a draw. Um, in terms of then we go then home to Rotherham, absolute must win. And I'd be amazed if we didn't win that one on the Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And then we we finish off the little trio with Sheffield Wednesday at home the following Saturday. Yep. And then, you know, they're, they're quite an unpredictable team with little Barry Bannon pulling the strings in midfield. So um, mm. <laughs> uh, I, I, could see it, I could see us cocking that one up as well and getting one point again. So I, I'm afraid I'm only going to be able to see five points from those. Is he going to make games, changes? Which um, I think uh, you know. Obviously, I mean, what's your? Do you think we're going to John Terry is going to come back? Nah, I think he probably. No, oh, you yeah. Don't. Wait, hang on. Do you, do you think he will? Um, I mean, it will all be down to John. I think. I think if he wants it, then um, I'm pretty sure that you know Steve would like to have him back. So it'll be down to uh, it'll be down to JT, won't it? Um, and depends if he, you know, what how it compares to probably a stack full of other opportunities that he's got on his desk. On, on. I mean, he's made these uh, sort of cryptic clues on his Instagram that sort of implying that he might be coming back, but. Um, who knows? Who knows? We have to assume he's not there at the moment because he hasn't signed. So, in terms of let's assume he hasn't, if he 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 surely will, he'll be bringing Tammy Abraham into the team for sure. True. And if Yannick's ready, Yannick could be playing as well. I'd have thought so. So those that you are going to see changes uh, in the forward end of the pitch, the back end. I mean, if he if he persists with Yedinat, then you know more fool him because you know I think. I don't think Yedinat wants to play there. You know, that's the point. And you touched on earlier about potentially he's starting to lose the dressing room. Mm -hmm. And I think the way he's treated people like Elphick and Adoma. And there's another player that we haven't even talked about. Oh, gosh. No, we haven't spoken about that at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, um, you know, all those assists and goals last season. Um, So, uh, you know, Adoma... Uh, it's a very popular person at Aston Villa. And even though Tommy didn't play much and has not had a good time at Villa, he's been popular as well. And I think that, you know, people would have liked the way he's treated somebody. And so you, you're getting cliques, if nothing else. You've got, you know, his favourites that will probably still be loyal to him. But then there's plenty of people in that squad, you know, like your McCormacks and your Delats, uh, etc., who will despise him, and you know that that tends to spread, especially if results start going wrong. So, yeah, he's uh, this is a yeah. I mean, he's he's faced crisis before Aston Villa. He's been very close to the sack before, and he always seems to come out of it. Um, but as I said to you, the, the problem is here that he'll win a few games and then he'll lose a few games, and it's whether it's going to be enough come the end of the season. Yeah. Highly debatable. Totally. Totally. Uh, so, I, I, I guess it is really hard to make any sort of prediction on what the on what the owners do. Me personally, I, I don't I don't see them as as being the types of owners who will who will um, make a decision on a, on a vim. Um, but I'm sure they'll see what's going on at the moment, and I guess it's something to revisit after these three games. Yeah, yeah Daniel, I think that. Um... They'll either look at it, they'll take the season into blocks. A lot of people do that. They'll say, oh, we need to be here at 10 games. We need to be here at 20 games, you know, points tallies. And if you're miles off that target, you know, most people have two points a game you need to average, try and average to get automatic promotion. Yeah. And if you're miles off that target, and at the moment he's not miles off. I mean, he's got nine from six. So although we've played very badly, and frankly we're lucky to have <laughs> nine from six, if he wins the next two, he'll be on 15 from eight. He'll be almost on target. So he isn't a million miles off at the moment. But if if we have, if we, these games don't go well and we start to, you know, start to get uh, adrift from the pack, 
then you know the pressure from the terraces will be intense and uh, I think they'll probably buckle and let them go um, but if they do that you can't do it too late because if you do it too late it can actually be counterproductive because players get in such a set way of playing that mid-season changes can actually sometimes send a team spiraling the wrong way even further as you saw at West yeah. Brom last year you know when Pulis when Pulis was sacked and they tried to go with Pardew that is meant to play a more expansive style and look at them they couldn't buy a result and uh, and then they they sort of went back to a more pragmatic style with Darren Moore and they nearly survived um, but you know so you know you have to be very careful with this and this is why I like if you're going to change managers I much prefer to do it in the close season but um, equally you know the, the season is still in its infancy there's still 40 games to go um, and so there's loads and loads of time. But if he doesn't, yeah, if he doesn't get some good results in the next, up to the next international break, I think they'll they'll be under intense pressure from the fan base to uh, to make a change. Certainly, Howard. Well, well, look, I mean, I've I've really enjoyed listening to you today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, you are, as I as I believe, and I'm sure as many other fans believe, you know, one of the greatest minds amongst the uh, supporters. <laughs> so you know, uh, thank you very much for spending your time. Uh, in an absolute- Pleasure. Really good to talk to you as always, my friend. We go back a long way and no doubt we'll continue to have chats uh, long into the future. Absolutely. And hopefully hopefully we'll have a positive report coming out about the success of Aston Villa in, in a few years' time. Uh, just I mean, before you go, I mean, is, there, is there a way to keep, for people to keep up with, with your work and, and, and you know some of your uh, social media? Yes, yeah, so basically uh, Twitter. I, I've got, um, you know, my, my Twitter handle is at uh, Hodgson Howard and uh, it's an open account yeah, anyone that wants to have a reasonable chat about Aston Villa I'm absolutely all ears and even if you you love Steve Bruce, you hate Steve Bruce either, as long as it's civil and as long as it's not um, abusive then I'm all ears <laughs>